This morning I have entitled my message as, Is Your Light Dispelling the Darkness? Is Your Light Dispelling the Darkness? And I'm going to focus my attention on two passages of scripture, one in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, which reads like this, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The second passage is in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 4 onwards. It says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, has not grasped it, has not overcome it. Different translations puts it across this way. So the theme that we are going to look at this morning is the theme of light and darkness. When light comes, what flees? Darkness has to flee. So if there is a lot of darkness, what does it mean? No light. We often complain about the darkness in society today, isn't it? So much of darkness in the world today. So much of corruption in the world today. Life is so bad. And some people will say, okay, you leave India, go somewhere else, it will be brighter there. And when they find that, it's not bright still. Because the heart of man is desperately wicked. So what do you do when there is darkness all around? Who is to be blamed? We don't want to accept the blame, isn't it? <laughs> the church is called to be the light of this world. The church is called to be the light that dispels darkness. And if in case there's a lot of darkness around, don't complain about the darkness. Rather, allow God to put his searchlight into your life to find out whether your light is shining bright. Because that's the purpose for which God has placed you and me here. It's going to be a little long study. I have the notes with you, the outline with you. Please follow through with me as we go through this study together. Many years ago, National Geographic ran an article entitled The Power of Light. And this is what was mentioned in its introduction. It read, Light reveals the world to us. Body and soul crave for it. Light sets our biological clocks. It triggers in our brains the sensations of color. Light feeds us, supplying the energy of plants to grow. It inspires us with special effects of the rainbows and sunsets. Light gives us life-changing tools, from incandescent bulbs to lasers and fiber optics. Scientists don't fully understand what light is or what it can do. They just know that it will illuminate our future. Light is very, very powerful. And we don't have to look very far when we look at the connection between God and light. The connection comes right in the first few verses of the book of Genesis. God called forth light from the darkness. So light is a very, very marvelous thing. How fast is light? What's the speed of light? If you were to calculate, you know, moving 
light from here. Light is very quick. It moves at a speed of 300,000 kilometers per second. We speak about light years, isn't it? You know, how fast light is. If you were to put it in our language, if you were to take a car and run it at the rate of 110 kilometers per hour, it would take you 157 years to arrive. But, on the other hand, if you sat on a beam of light to reach the sun, it would take you only 8 minutes and 20 seconds. Light is marvelous. You look at the stars in the sky, you see the light. Oh, it's not there now. It took a long time for it to reach from there to us, isn't it? <laughs> so many light years away. So light is definitely a very, very marvelous thing. People have tried to do some equations on that. I'm sure you're familiar with Albert Einstein's equation, E is equal to MC square. E stands for, those of you who have studied physics, energy. M stands for mass. C stands for constant, which is the speed of light that they put it across. Okay. Now people have come up with different, there are different, different theories of light. If you have studied physics, you would know about it. But we are not doing a physics lecture today, okay? So if you're not a science student, you don't like physics, don't say, you know, I don't want to listen to Vijay anymore. No, no. We're going to do a study from the scriptures. Light is of extreme importance to our Christian faith because it symbolizes the nature of our holy God. God is light. God is light. Old Testament, we read about the light of God. It is described as the Shekinah glory. Isn't it? The bright light. In the New Testament, we find about and on the Mount of Transfiguration. You find the, uh, the Israelites being led through the wilderness, the pillar of light that went, the fire by light that went ahead of them. Now, looking at the book of Genesis, okay, let's look at that passage first this morning. God's first act to prepare the earth was to create light. Before light came into being, what was there in the earth? What does the Bible say? Darkness. Darkness, okay. It was without form and void. In Hebrew, those two words are very interesting words. It's a sound word. The word that is used in Hebrew for without form is tohu. And the word that is used for without, uh, uh, which was void, is bohu. So without form and without void will be tohu, bohu. Okay? Sounds very nice. Now, but it goes further. There was deep darkness in this space. Deep darkness. It was like a fluid of darkness, you know, because the Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Many planets in our solar system are empty, dark, and deep. For example, Jupiter is composed primarily of 90% hydrogen and 10% helium. And somebody has referred to it as a turbulent, stormy whirlpool of wind. Similar then to Jupiter was Earth. Before, God said, let there be light, and there was light. How did light come into being? God spoke. That's all. That's all. He just spoke the word, let there be light. 
Again, in Hebrew, it doesn't say that whole thing, let there be light. It's just two words, light be. Okay? That's the command of God. But the command we speak of, that imperative mood, which, mood, which is like a, a forceful command. You have to do this. No, that's not the mood that is used here. There is a mood called the just mood. Those of you who are familiar with English grammar or you want to study English grammar, there is a mood called just mood. <laughs> which is not that harsh command, but it's a command which is a gentle command. In other words, when God said, let there be, it was like a wooing of God's spirit into the chaos that was there. And out of the chaos, order came into being. If we study about how world came into being from other religions, they will speak about two wars that took place, evil and you know, good, and one overcame, and that's how the world came into being. Oh, no, no, no. That's not how it came into being. Our God is a soft gentle, creative God. The voice of the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters and God gently wooed these light from the darkness. That's what the scripture really speaks about when he said, let there be light. The word of God is powerful. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent. Okay? God would in the darkness, and from that gentle voice, light came into being. That's a physical creation of light. Now I wanted to draw a parallel from that into our spiritual darkness. Before we came to know Christ, we were living in darkness. How did God bring us to himself? Did he command us, become a Christian now? Respond to me. If you don't, I will send you to hell. No, no. It's a gentle wooing of God, isn't it? It is that you know, gentle voice of the Holy Spirit who speaks to us, softens our hearts so that we respond to Him. Then the light shines upon us. I hope looking back into your life, you would have had a Eureka moment. You remember the Eureka moment? Archimedes, you know, having his bath suddenly discovers the equation, understanding. Eureka, I found it. Lights have all shone in his dark mind to find a solution to his problem. I hope in our lives as well, each one of us has had that eureka moment. When we have moved out of darkness, something flashed into our minds and said, This is it. This is that which I was longing for. This is true life, that which I was seeking for. That is what Jesus is speaking about here. There was darkness. God spoke. You know. How did we respond to him? It was because God did it. Did darkness on its own, was it able to create light? No. On our own in our sinful state, could we respond? No. It was because God spoke. And as he spoke gently, God the Holy Spirit began to work in our lives. What's the job of the Holy Spirit? To convince us of who Jesus is and to convict us of sin. Unless a person is convicted by the Holy Spirit of God of his sinfulness, what does he think he is? Not a sinner. Nobody wants to say, I'm a bad guy. Everybody thinks they are good. Even the hardened criminals say, I'm good in some other area. I'm bad in this area maybe. He still likes to think he is good. 
But the scripture tells us we are dead in sin. Who revives us from that? It is the Spirit of God. Looking back, I'm sure we can understand that. It is God who showed us that we needed Him. And it is God who showed us that it is only God who can fill the emptiness of our lives. So then, God said, let there be light, there was light. Secondly, we find that God saw that it was good. It's like light has been separated from from the darkness. God takes a view of this and says, hey, this is good. This is good. When God's light shines into our hearts, we begin to see what is real good. A person living in darkness thinks that that is good. But when a person begins to see the light, things become much more clear. Those of us who wear glasses, and if your eyesight was bad and you kept putting it off, putting it off, finally when you went to the optician and you got your glasses, you began to say, hey, oh, I can see so much more clearly now. Why did I wait for so long? Isn't it? That's why you need to keep checking your eyesight all the time because it becomes bad and we need to correct it. This is good. When God said, let there be light, when God's light shone into our hearts, that is when we recognize what true joy is all about, what true truth is all about, what true life is all about. God saw that it was good. And when he saw it was good, what did he do next? He separated the light from the darkness. Did he remove the darkness? No. He only separated it. The word separated means to be set apart. To be set apart. Now if you notice in that first section in Genesis itself, there's a lot of setting apart. Light from the darkness, day from the night, you know, smaller lights, bigger lights, waters above, waters below. There's a separation, isn't it? Now is separation bad? No, it's not bad. It was good. Oftentimes, as soon as we say separated, we say, oh, that's bad. But no, separation is good. God saw that it was good, and as a result, the next thing that he did was he separated the light from the darkness. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 20 tells us, Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. When light comes into our lives, the days of our darkness is over, the days of our mourning is equally over. Over And this principle of separation which started out in creation continues on through different, different books you know, and even through our lives. Where God says, I want you to live a separated life. The light will shine brighter when, when the light is separated from the darkness. And I believe if there is darkness all around and the light is not shining forth, what could be the problem? Light is not being separated. There has been a merger of light and darkness. The church is no longer the light that was supposed to shine bright. It is so merged around that the people are not really able to see the difference. God wants our light to shine so brightly that it will dispel the darkness all around us. If you look at the book of Leviticus, we find God separates the clean and the unclean. 
If you look at the book of Exodus, God separates the holy place from the most holy place. Often, right through, there is this separation. So if our light has to dispel the darkness around us, we must live a separated life. So ask yourself, even from the book of Genesis, of this short study on the light, has God's light shone into your life? Has there been that eureka moment that yes, you knew, this is it, God has worked in my life. He has taken me from darkness and put me into light. If that has happened, ask yourself today, how bright is that light shining? Or over a period of time, has the light become dim? Why? Because there's no longer any separation. God saw that it was good, so he separated the light from the darkness. Now, the writer in John's Gospel, last time when we looked at Jesus moving into our neighborhood, we spoke about how the Word is the one who created, the Creator God. This Word, the one who is God, the one who became man, He dwelt among us. He moved into our neighborhood. And we said, John 1.1, similar to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created, in the beginning, you know, was the word. Now John is taking that same understanding from Genesis and moving further and getting into the light analogy. In him was life, verse 4, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So let's look at those verses right now. Okay. So Jesus, the Word, is not only the creator of John chapter 1, verse 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, but he moves on and says, he's not only the creator God, but he's also the one who's come into this world to be the spiritual light in the darkness for us. So three things that he mentions about this light. Number one, it offers illumination to every person. It gives light to all men. In him was life and the life was the light of men. It is only Jesus who can give us light because he himself is the light. All other spiritual gurus can show the light and say, hey, do this, walk here, walk here, I'm showing you these ways, then you may reach there. But Jesus himself is the light, so he can give us the light. Jesus himself is the life, so he himself can definitely give his life to us. And that is what it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. The word that is used about Jesus giving us life is the word called zoe in Greek. A word that basically means the very life of God. In him was life. This life gives light to people of how they can move from darkness and experience the very life of God. If the very life of God who is the light of this world lives in us, what will happen to the darkness around us? It has to flee, right? It has to flee. There should not be any darkness around us because the light is shining so brightly. When Jesus was here on earth, people were able to understand, isn't it, who Jesus is. Even the demons when they saw him, they trembled. 
why they recognized who Jesus was. And Jesus has put us as his lights here in this world. He is the one through us who now illuminates everybody around us. Secondly, it shines in the context of darkness. The light shines where? Not in a bright place, (laughs) but the light shines in the darkness. Isn't it so very important? It's easy to shine his light in a church community, isn't it? But Jesus says, I wanted to shine the light in the darkness. And the word that is used, the tense that is used there is a, a continuous shining. As we allow, if we have had that Eureka moment, yes, we can say, once I was blind, now I see that has happened in my life. Then we are asking God, God, you put your such light into me so that any dark spots in my life, it would become visible. As we increase the wattage of lamps around us, the place which you think is pretty clean, you'll find that it is has a lot of dust. Why? More brighter light, more dirt becomes visible. That's what it says. Light shines in the darkness. And we are asking God, God, you shine your light into the dark revises of my life. Let it be a continuous process. Christian commitment is an ongoing process. It is not something that we did 10 years ago and said, I received Jesus into my life. Now I'm going to heaven no matter whatever happens. No. It's a continuous commitment. A definition of commitment would be all that I know about myself today, I commit to all that I know about God today. And I hope and pray that your understanding of yourself today is different, is greater than what you knew about yourself when you first came to know the Lord. Oftentimes when we first came to know the Lord, we think we were pretty good at times. But when the searchlight comes into our lives, what happens? That which we thought was okay. He said, no, it is wrong under God's searchlight. So God reveals more dirt in our lives. And when we first came to know the Lord, we had a very limited understanding. But now as we continue to study the word, there's more understanding about who God is. So our commitment has to be an ongoing commitment. Don't depend upon your commitment of of 10 years ago. As they often say, let your testimony not be more than one week old. Oftentimes when people are asked to give their testimony, they say, they start off, isn't it? A big story about before I came to know Christ, I was like this, like this, like this, like this, like this. But then I came to know Christ, thank God. But people are wanting to know what happened after you came to know Christ. Testimony is not who you were before you came to know Christ, how bad you were. But testimony is about what God is doing in your life today. That is what God is asking. Allow God's searchlight to continue to shine in the dark crevices of your life. Because God's light is a revealing light. It reveals to us the dark spots. But it also guides us where we should be going. As God opens up those areas in our lives which are dark, God also shows us what we should be doing. Isn't it? If we confess our sin, then he's faithful and just. When God points out a sin in our lives and says, hey, that is a sin, we confess it before him. There's a guidance to move on. Thirdly, the third part of it is that the darkness has not overcome it or the darkness has not understood it. 
The Greek word over there has these two word meanings. One is a comprehension or an understanding, and the other is a question of taking over, grasping. Okay? These are the two understandings over here. When Jesus was here on earth, did people understand what he was talking about? No. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, a very learned man, about being born again. Did he understand that? Comprehend? No. Zero. He's asking, how can I get back into my mother's womb? The natural man does not understand the things of God. So, when the light shines, you're shining your light in the dark world around you. People who do not know anything about Christ, maybe they don't understand what you're trying to tell them. That's what the scripture is saying here. It is difficult for them to understand unless God's spirit opens their eyes to understand this truth. But the second part of it when he says darkness cannot overcome it. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee that the darkness cannot put out the light. You know? Jesus when he is the light because of his death, burial and resurrection nobody can put out that light. Satan can do nothing to our witness if we are lights are shining brighter because the scripture teaches us the one who is in us is far, far greater than the one who is there in the world. So, since the darkness, the problems, the oppositions, the persecutions cannot overcome it, what do you do with your light? Put it under a bushel? No. Let your light shine even brighter. Because that's the assurance that God gives to us, that your light will never be overcome by the darkness. Paul speaking about darkness in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So God is the one who gives us that assurance that the darkness cannot overcome it. So don't fear the darkness, but rather allow your light to shine brighter. And I believe this message is so very important for us in our times, isn't it? We can look around and get so worried, so anxious, so fearful. What's going to happen in a couple of months? What's going to happen in a couple of years? What's going to happen in our country? What's going to happen in the world around? So much of darkness, so much of chaos. God says, hey, don't worry. The darkness can never overcome the light that is in you. If you recognize that truth and allow your light to shine even brighter. Let the light in you dispel the darkness that is around you. Moving on further, Jesus is the light and the life of this world. Psalm 36, verses 7 to 9, the Psalm of David, he gives us a beautiful link up between life and light. Psalm 36, verse 7 onwards. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. Look at the combination between life and light. With you, there's the fountain of life. And in your light, we are able to see light. God's light in us shows us the way that we should go. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's light reveals to us 
what is really true about our surroundings. As we study God's word, our eyes are open to the strategies, the systems of the evil one. Matthew 4.16 says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Okay. So the people who are living in darkness, their eyes has to be opened. And for us who are living in the light, our eyes has to be opened to see that the God of this age has blighted their eyes. And we need to pray that God would open their eyes. Thirdly, God's light gives us spiritual light. Second Corinthians 4.6 tells us, God who said, let light shine out of darkness... Old Testament, Genesis, God who said that let shine, light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This God who said, let there be light, has now shown in our hearts and said, let there be light. And as a result, light has stepped in. Darkness has been taken away. Secondly, without light, there is no life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Without light, there is no life. People think that they have life, right? We are enjoying life. Live life to the fullest. That's what the world will say. But if there is no light shining in their lives, there is no life. But if on the other hand... What does the scripture say? I came to give them life and life in all its abundance. So if God's life is living in us, then the light should be shining even much more brighter. John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the life. Zoe, the very life of God. That's what Jesus promises. He says, I am the light of this world. If you are following me, if you have allowed the darkness to be removed and my light has come into your life, you have life, everlasting life, eternal life, the very life and power of God living in us. I hope our eyes are open to be enamored, if you were to say, with this truth. The very life of God is in me. If that is the soul, should I put my light under a bushel? No. You have that old chorus, isn't it? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let my light shine. That is what God is asking us to do. Oftentimes we have this question, isn't it? Wouldn't that have been great if as soon as we came, into the, uh, came to the Lord, all the darkness was removed for us? It was such a smooth road. Would it be great? When children of Israel were sent uh, into the promised land, you know, God kept some of the giants there, right? God didn't say, I've taken off all the giants. You had a problem earlier on because there was giants. Don't worry, I've taken them all out for you. You go enjoy yourself, you know, with the milk and honey. No, God kept the giants, right? Because that was a test for them. That was also going to be their strength as they overcame and saw that this is what life is all about. God has kept us in this world. He has not taken off the darkness. Remember, darkness is still there. But he's saying, I want you to be separate. As we are set apart for God, our light shine brighter. Then the world begins to recognize who Jesus really is. But without the light, there is only darkness. 
without the light, there is only darkness. Jesus mentions in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, then how great is the darkness? Pathetic condition, isn't it? A person thinks he is in the light, but he's actually in the darkness. And as a result, he's not dispelling the darkness because he's part of the darkness. Is that your state this morning? You think you're a Christian? You think you made a commitment? But your light is not shining at all. The darkness around you is not being dispelled. Nobody around you senses that you are a believer, that your life has made any impact on them whatsoever. Jesus says, be careful. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You may think you know where you are going, but you really don't. You may think you see what's true about your spiritual surroundings, but you really don't. You think you are fully alive, but you are not. Because the light within you is only darkness. But how does this happen? Because over a period of time, you get used to walking in darkness. You get used to walking in darkness. If you come out from a bright place into a dark place, the first time, what happens? As soon as you step out from a bright room into a dark room, it's a little difficult. It's so pitch dark, isn't it? Maybe you were sitting out in the night, everything is so dark, and it's so pitch dark. After some time, what happens? Hey, you can see things, right? You know? And then you get used to that darkness. I can walk in this darkness. I don't need the light anymore. That's the danger of the light within you has become darkness. You got so accommodative, used to the darkness around you, you think that is light. God says, be careful. Be careful. That is not really the light. (laughs) But the good news, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, remember where this deep darkness came in? Genesis 1-2, there was deep darkness upon the earth. The people who are in deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Why? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So if we have wandered away from the truth, if you have wandered away from the light, if you have immersed yourself in your dark surroundings over a period of time and got acclimatized to the surroundings and you think you are walking in the light when in reality you are in darkness, God says, how great is that darkness? This morning, God wants to put his searchlight into our hearts and check up whether we have wandered into the darkness. The psalmist says, search me, O God. Find out. Try me. Check up if there's any wicked way in me. Is that a prayer that we can honestly pray? And is that a prayer that we are honestly praying every day? God, search me. Let your light shine upon the darkest crevices of my life and reveal those hidden spots, the dark spots that I may not even be observant about. But Lord, you show it to me. If that's our prayer, that is walking in the light. 
That's what John mentions in 1 John chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. Jesus is the one who helps us to walk in the light. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we are walking in the light and we are walking in darkness, we are lying. So it's better to be honest before God when we are here on earth and ask him to get us back on track rather than the light in us being darkness fooling ourselves to think we are on the light and finding out later on that we have actually missed the boat. John chapter 12 verse 35, Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. We can respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit only when He speaks to us. There could come a time when He stops speaking. Why? Because we have gone so far away from God. There was a song of yesteryears which said, If you used to walk with Jesus, but now have moved away from God, guess who moved? Guess who moved? It was not God who moved. We have moved away. And as a result, we don't hear His voice anymore. I can speak to you here and you can decide to take a walk down and get to the main road. I will still continue speaking, but you would not have heard my voice anymore. And that's what God is saying. If God is speaking, that's the time we need to respond. Don't put it off. If God is saying, hey, you're walking in the darkness, God says, respond and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I wandered away. Get me back on the right track. Fourthly, the significance of light in redemption. The significance of light in redemption. Redemption is as much a part or a working of divine operation as was creation. And it's as much a creative operation. I spoke on this slightly. When God has redeemed us, it is a creative work. Just as much as he spoke and light came in. When God works in our lives, that is also a work of creation, not something that we can manufacture. That is why Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a person is born again, unless a person is born from above, unless God does his internal work, salvation is not something that you do. Salvation is something that God does. It is the creative work of God where he takes away a heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. You are now a new creation. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Some translations say he's a new species. You know, He's so different from what he was before. Is that your reality? Or... Yeah, you see, not much of a difference. Life is going on. A little better than what it was, but it's okay. No. If God does his work in our lives, there has to be a radical difference because it's an act of creation. Secondly, followers of Jesus are called to reflect the very life of God to this world. 
Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of this world. You are the light of this world. It's good to hear Jesus is the light of this world, right? But Jesus says, hey, you are the light of this world. If the salt has lost its saltiness, it is useless. If the light has lost its brightness and it's not able to dispel the darkness that is in the world around us, something is wrong. Something is wrong. It's no longer the light. It's useless. That's what Jesus says. The church has been kept in this world. For what purpose? So that we would dispel the darkness in this world. God has not taken us to himself as soon as he came to know the Lord. He has kept us in this world for this purpose. That our light would so shine that it would dispel the darkness all around us. Now how can we shine our light? If you are in a dark place, okay, you're in a dark pit, okay, and somebody comes up to you with some philosophy about light, teachings about light, and they say in 1666, the English scientist Isaac Newton started shedding light on the nature of light, and when he discovered that white light is really made up of many colors, would that help you? He's teaching you about light, okay, he's teaching you religion. He's teaching you rituals. That would not help. Or if he comes up with Christian Eugene's theory, you know, about the next level of light, that light consists of waves, that's not going to help either. Or 1864, the English physicist James Clerk Maxwell proposed the mathematical theory of electromagnetism, which became the basis of modern scientific data today. That's not going to help, isn't it? But the people of this world today are coming with so many philosophies, reasons, how you can dispel the darkness in this world. World leaders may meet together to say, how can we bring peace? How can we root out corruption? They can discuss all that. But that's of no help to a guy who is in a pit, in a dark pit. What will that guy say? Show me the light. Show me the light. If there is a switch, he'll say, please put put on the switch so that I can see. Person living in darkness. Religion is not going to help. Philosophy is not going to help. What he sees is what is going to help. He wants to see the truth personified in your life and mine. We may tell him about Jesus, but he may look around and say, hey, that's okay. But look at the Jesus followers. Look at your life. He wants to see the light shining in us. That is what the world is really looking for. So how can we make sure that the light in us would be shining brightly? Number one, be counter-cultural. Be counter-cultural. Romans chapter 13 and verse 12 tells us that we are living in a dark world full of lies and hate. But God's word in Romans 13. 13.12 says, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We are not supposed to flow with the crowd. We are supposed to be counterculture. We are supposed to be different from the world. We are supposed to march according to the sound of a different beat. That's what the world is calling, that's what God is calling us to do. That's what shining the light brightly is all about. Flowing with the crowd is not shining the bright, uh, light brightly. But let's be individuals who are counterculture, number one. Secondly, we need to put ourselves into the world. 
Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before others, before men. Let your light shine before others. It is easy to let the light shine in a Christian surrounding. But if we have to let our light shine, it has to be in the world around us. Thirdly, let your light so shine before men. It doesn't stop there. But what does it move on further and say? That they may see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. In other words, when they see the light shining brightly in us, when they recognize that there is something different about us, don't say thank you, thank you, and take all the credit for yourself. (laughs) Give the glory to the Lord. Share how that light is shining, why the light is shining. That is what the world is really looking for. But that would happen only, fourthly, if we keep ourselves clean. The scripture tells us in Matthew 7, 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You can speak about corruption in the world, but if there's a big log of corruption in your own life, the world will say, hey, what are you doing? So before our lights can shine brightly out into the world, we must ask God, search my own life. You know? Search my own life. I may think I have only a speck, but that is actually a log. Lord, help me to remove it. That is how you can let your light shine even more brighter. Four practical steps. Number one, be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. James chapter 3 and verse 8, speaking about the tongue, it says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. A lot of hurts in this world, isn't it? Because what people say, you know. How can we be as light? If we don't have anything to say, don't say it. It's better to keep your mouth shut rather than share words of hate, words of anger. Be careful of what you say. Secondly, consider your entertainment. What you're seeing, what you're talking about. You know? What are the fun things that you're doing? You know, there are things good in itself. But there are also things that are evil in the fun around you, which the world calls as good. If you're doing the same thing of, that the world is enjoying and saying that is good, and you're also doing the same thing, that's not shining up bright, light brightly. There has to be a difference. There is a certain thing which is called as a clean fun, clean entertainment. The Bible doesn't say that you should not have fun. But what's the type of fun? There has to be a difference with the darkness fun and the light fun. Thirdly, use social media wisely. We live in an age of social media. What are you posting? What are you maybe commenting? Maybe you're not commenting, but you're only posting. What are you sharing on WhatsApp? You know, we have a lot of fake news, constant WhatsApp university messages that are just changing different mindsets of people. Is that building up messages or is it breaking down? Is it unity or is it division? Be careful. That is again how you show that you are different. Fourthly, definitely, think of others. The dark world that we live around us thinks only of itself, isn't it? I, me and myself are my closest friends. But God says, when we begin to think of others, then that shows, hey, there is a little difference. Let me close with this article by Reverend Frederick Buna. He wrote an article entitled, Darkness 
and he draws a parallel between the first chapter of John and the last chapter of John. It's an interesting thought. First chapter of John, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness. Last chapter of John, what's happened? Jesus has risen from the dead. Disciples say, what? I guess it's all over now, let's go fishing. And they go around fishing, and the Bible says, and it was night. And it was night, it was darkness, they fished all night, but they got nothing. And Jesus comes along. What does he do? There's a little light. What is that light? The light of the charcoal flame. And he's making us a breakfast for them. That's the imagery of the God whom we serve. When God spoke gently and light came in. Here, the last chapter of John, God wanted to teach his disciples, Hey, it's not all over. For you may think it's darkness, it's all over, but I'm there. Come, join me together and let me bring life back to you. And that was the moment of transformation in the life of Peter and his disciples, isn't it? When they thought it was all over, God said, hey, it's not over. Come join with me. And that's the gentle wooing voice of God, even this morning. You may have started out on the light. You may be walking in the darkness. You may be moving into the darkness. You may be thinking you're living in the light when you're moved already into the gray areas. But let's be honest before God this morning and say, Lord, let your light shine in my dark spots. And as you show it to me, as you invite me gently to come and sit together with you, as Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, if you this morning would hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't go away the same way you came in. As all things are all fine. There has to be a difference from the way you came in to the way you go out. There has to be a desire in our hearts. Lord, you have kept me in this dark world. I don't want to leave this world and go somewhere else thinking life will be better for me. You have kept me in this country for a purpose. Let my light shine even more brighter for you. Why? Because I have the assurance that the darkness can never overcome the light that is there in me.